Proverbs chapter 1, we're going to pick up our study this morning. Last week we kind of laid the foundation for things, so if uh, you have a Bible, go ahead and open there. If you don't have a Bible, uh, there are extra copies there in the back. We'd love for you to follow along with. If you need a note sheet, there's empty chairs here that have the note sheets on them, so make sure that you grab one. Uh, But again, last week was a week of just kind of setting the tone as to the, the why we're studying this book. Um, and I want to maybe just recap that. I know there were some of you who were not able to be here um, last week. Some of you were here, but maybe you had prom last week, and so you were here, but you weren't here maybe fully mentally, and you need to be reminded of that. And by the way, if you weren't even here in general, just a reminder, we actually do record these, so if you go onto our website, our podcast page on the student ministry page, you can actually go back and listen to these if you want to get caught up, so just a refresher if you didn't know that that was an option, but... Uh, we talked about <clears throat> why we're going to be studying the book of Proverbs over the next several uh, months. And so a couple of those things that we talked about uh, that I think would be important for us to review this morning without going over all those points was a reminder that uh, we live in a culture right now where wisdom is on the decline. Uh, you live in a, a, a society right now where moral decline or what we call or Proverbs would call foolishness or folly is really on the rise and wisdom is on the decline. Really, Proverbs is a book about wisdom. Now, one of my challenges to you last week was memorizing the definition of wisdom that we talked about. Did anybody do that? Anybody think they can do that without looking at their notes from last week? No, you don't think so? It's going to be part of your challenge again this next week because we want to try to memorize it. So let me remind you this. It starts out this way. Wisdom is worshiping God by... Yeah, very good, Kate. Yeah, rightly applying, biblical wisdom is worshiping God by rightly applying his truth to real life situations, right? So if you forgot to write it down or you need to write it down again from last week, that's exactly what we talked about. So wisdom, really, we need wisdom. Young people need wisdom. Everybody, as we're going to learn, needs to grow in wisdom, especially in a culture that folly is increasing. We talked about uh, studying this book because of the unique character of Solomon, about how God uses imperfect people to teach the importance of obedience in worship. By the way, a clarifier from last week, you know, we talked about how Solomon started out really well, but then kind of ended foolishly. Um, Talked about how he had a lot of ladies in his life. I didn't ever clarify that last week. We just talked about how that was like what uh, was foolish for him. I don't think I ever really specified, and I wanted to do that this week because I realized we, we didn't specify it. The real problem with that was that all these uh, extra influences in his life led his heart to pursue other devotions, particularly other gods and other deities and other forms of worship. And so it really led his heart away from worshiping the one true God. And that was the real foolishness of what Solomon did there. And so we see that Solomon does, by the end of Ecclesiastes, redeem his life in many ways. But he's really trying to write to us in such a way that says, hey, don't make the same mistakes that I did. Right? Uh, we learned that Proverbs is a book that's written specifically to young people, to youth. Right? So anywhere kind of in that... 15 to 20 year range, right? Solomon is writing as a father to uh, his son. And so really this book is pertinent to, to young people like you. 
still pertinent to everybody, but especially written with that angle in mind. We saw how Proverbs is a book that shows where you stand in your relationship with uh, the Lord, um, about how you, uh, <clears throat> whether or not you fear the Lord, whether or not you're actually living for him or living for yourself. And then we actually ended by being reminded that even though Proverbs is a book that seems like it's all about morals and, and good living and seems very far from where we were in the Gospel of Mark, we actually learned that really actually Proverbs points us to Jesus and the perfect personification of wisdom, that Jesus really is a picture of what true and full wisdom looks like. So today, the opening seven verses for us is going to serve as really the introduction to the book or what many people call the preamble to the book of Proverbs. So that's a really fancy word, but many of you, if you had your civics class, you maybe know that we have in our United States something called a preamble, right? Preamble to the Constitution. Anybody know the preamble to the Constitution? Say it, Greta. right on the right path, right? And so this is the beginning of the United States Constitution, the law of the land, and the whole point of the preamble is really to state the purpose, right? You see in this short introduction here, everything, what's going to follow. This is what this document is intended to do for you, and that's exactly what the first seven verses of Proverbs is going to do for us this morning. It sets the tone and communicates both the intent and the purpose of this book. So go ahead and stand. We're going to read it together. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. Solomon writes this, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. To give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. You can go have a seat. Let's pray and we'll ask for God's favor on our time this morning. So Lord, we do just come in many ways asking for what this book and its basis is, which is wisdom. We pray this morning, Lord, that you would help make us wise, uh, that you would help us to better understand and to comprehend the truth that you have set before us, not just so that we would be better people, Lord. That's, that's not uh, the purpose, Lord, we want to worship you well with our lives. We want our lives to really, in many ways, point back to you and not to ourselves. And so pray that you would bless our time as we uh, study this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. By show of hands, how many of you here actually like infomercials? Anybody like infomercials on TV? How many of you are at least intrigued by infomercials? Whether or not you like them, you're, you're intrigued by them. Uh, you know, there is, there is power to infomercials, aren't there? 
you know that you should move along, but something about it, for some reason, keeps you captivated. Especially as the offer continues to get better in ways that you're just like, nah, nah, that, that, that can't be. That seems too good to be true. Uh, many of you don't know uh, this, but actually before I was a pastor, I was an intern uh, at a church out in California. But even before I was an intern, uh, I did a lot of other odd jobs back in the day. Uh, for several years, I actually worked while I was out there for State Farm. Uh, I knew Jake from State Farm. Ironically enough, he was a dog. He was not a human. Um, but I, I knew the world of State Farm while I was out there. I used to teach classes in Lego engineering. I have no knowledge of engineering, but I know Legos. And I taught kids how to basically build with Legos. And I got paid for that. I know, right? Uh, but even in the midst of those things, uh, my first year that I lived out in California, I did a very unique job in the realm of sales. Uh, sales in the finest of kitchen cutlery known as Cutco. How many of you know about Cutco here? Yeah, some of you do. You know about this world. Yeah, see, the reason I took another job was because my other job, you know, teaching Lego classes didn't really pay a whole lot. So I had to earn a little extra money, BC, because there was a cute girl I liked and I wanted to ask her to marry me and I needed to have some extra money in order to do that. And hey, it works, right? And so I'm thankful to say that it was successful. But the nature of working for Cutco was that you had to do uh, demonstrations. You can't just convince somebody that they should get something. Uh, you have to show them why it's better and why they should do so. And so I thought today I would introduce you to that world just a little bit because, uh, hey, again, I could just tell you about what I did, but I would rather show you a little bit about what I did. So I brought a few of the products that I got to obtain because I sold so many things in Cutco back in the day. Uh, starting with, let's see. Oh, yes. People like ice cream, right? You're like, I thought you, I thought you sold kitchen knives. I did. But they had a whole line, uh, line of different things. So, yes, ice cream scoop. You're like, no big deal. All right, so let me show you something real quick. Uh, I need a volunteer. Who wants to be my ice cream volunteer here? You guys are like, that's an idea. Go ahead, Andrew. All right, here's what I want you to do, Andrew. I want you to, we'll show you how effective this ice cream scoop is. Got some ice here, okay? Normal ice, right? Yeah. Looks like it. Go ahead and find the biggest piece of ice you can find in there, okay? I want you to go, yeah, go, that's a good one, yeah. Go ahead and set it right there. Now, what's happening as you watch this? What's happening? It's melting. It's melting. You're going to take it along the front line here so people can see, so you're not making it up, right? <laughs> right before your eyes, right? Careful not to splatter it on anybody as you go by. So, oh yeah, show your friends. No, that's okay. So why is, that, why is that effective? Why is that an important deal that you want in your ice cream scoop? Yeah. Ice cream. What do you typically hear people say? Oh, go set the ice cream out so it begins to soften, right? Who has time for that? Why not just get the ice cream right now, right? So with your Cutco ice cream scoop, which is now mostly water there, except for the left over there, you can have your ice cream when you want it, right? But wait, there's more, right? Scissors. These are probably my favorite. Thing that I got from Cutco. Uh, actually, back in the day when we would do demonstrations with these, uh, we would show how this can actually cut through and into 
uh, a U.S. penny. Uh, but considering people reminded me that that was destruction of U.S. property, I decided I wanted to keep my job. So we're not going to do that today because I don't need you telling people that I, you know, defaced government property while in Sunday school today. So we're not going to do that today. Uh, but we will do one more thing. So uh, you're like, okay, I thought you sold kitchen knives. Okay, let's get into the kitchen knives here for a moment. All right, who we need three volunteers? Who wants to? All right, come on up. Let's see, Allie and uh, Tyler. Yeah. All right, perfect. So, we got here two different kitchen knives. We have our, what's probably standard, how many of you have a kitchen knife in your house that looks similar to this? Nice wood handle here. This is, uh, this is what I got from over in the other building. Uh, this is in our kitchenette for our, our offices here. And this is our nice, oh, you can come on up, it's okay. I promise I will I'll stand over I'll stand over here for you. Right? Then you got your nice cut coast steak knife, right? So we got the difference between them. It's I would pass it around, but again, I would rather you not cut yourselves and me lose my job. So um, here's what I need. So you two girls are gonna hold Tyler's arm so that we can no, I'm just kidding. We're not kidding. <laughs> totally just kidding. Alright. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna do this with a rope here, okay? So fairly thick. Fairly thick rope here. So, uh, who who's the strongest of the three of you? Do you think? <laughs> you don't know. Okay. Here's what we're gonna do then. Uh, let's do Allie and Alan. Let's have you hold both sides of the rope here, just so it's nice and tight. Tyler, you're gonna be our knife wielder today. Congratulations. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna start with this uh, knife that you can get over in the other building here. And I want you to start trying to, uh, to work your way through that, okay? Oh, you're left-handed, that's awesome. This is gonna even be better for my infomercial. Okay, how's it going? Uh, not very well. Not very well, okay. Slowly. Nice thing about the uh, Petco knives is that they're ergonomically designed for both right-handed and left-handed people. So, let's just stop, okay? You haven't made your way through it quite yet. Wow, that was taking straight up. All right, let's pull this down a little bit so people know you're not using the same spot. Okay, pull it nice and tight and start uh, working your way through that. Let's see how quickly you can make your way through that with that one. Really put some, some muscle into it there. Yeah. How's it coming? Look at that. Wow. Look how much quicker that. Yeah, give them a hand, right? No deception whatsoever. Hey, you guys did a great job. Unfortunately, I don't have a prize for you and I can't send. I can't send. No, I can't send kids one with knives, not again, so, um, no, I'm just kidding. So, <laughs> so again, what's the famous line that you often hear with infomercials as the deal continues to progress? But wait, there's more, right? Essentially, that's what's at play here in the book of Proverbs, in these opening seven verses. This preamble... Solomon here is presenting you with a sweet deal that only gets better with each line that he presents, culminating in a decision, a choice that you have to make, which is this. Will you buy in? Will you buy in to what he is trying to sell you? And so the main point that we want us to see this morning as we look at these first seven verses is this. Proverbs begins by presenting you with the necessary choice between wisdom and folly. Proverbs begins by presenting you with the necessary choice between wisdom and folly. By the way, this is mostly water over here. I should do something to that. All right. 
So let's jump into that. I want to I want to show you this offer that Solomon is presenting to you here uh, this morning. So let's look at the offer. The offer that's on the table here begins in verse two with the offer for what we might think is kind of unique, but it's the offer of humility. It's the offer of humility. Verse two, he says to know wisdom and instruction and to understand words of insight. Now, I know, especially for you as teenagers, that doesn't really sound very exciting. Humility is not something that most of you are probably desiring or clamoring after in life. Uh, Solomon uses several words here to show the opportunity for growth in key areas where we naturally lack. He talks about wisdom, which we talked about last week. Wisdom in its most basic form is skill in living. To know how to live life well. He talks about instruction. And instruction is a word that I know most of you in this room will understand. Because it's actually the word for uh, discipline. Or really more like constructive criticism. Or constructive feedback. How many of you in this room by a show of hands are in a uh, athletic sport? Not right now, but you do athletics. You have a coach for athletics. How many of you are in music or drama and you have a coach for that? Right? So most of you understand the world where people give you instruction and feedback, and sometimes that's hard feedback, but the point of that feedback is to help you grow, to help you improve. That's the idea of instruction that Proverbs and Solomon are presenting here. And then he talks about to understand words of insight. To understand insight is to rightly process the information you receive. Uh, that's a really big part of the book of Proverbs is to not just hear something, but to be able to process it well. And all of these things are needed because all of these things are naturally lacking in your life. And the question is, do you recognize that? Do you personally see your need to keep learning? Do you believe that you still have much to grow in in life or are you, in many ways, a prideful know-it-all and think you know better and think you understand life, right? That's the real essential difference here is the difference between pride and humility. After all, think about Solomon in 1 Kings 3. We talked about it last week, right? God comes to Solomon and he asks Solomon, hey, if I were to give you anything that you wanted, what would you ask for? Again, Think to yourself this morning, if God came to you and said, hey, what's one thing? I'll give it to you for free. No, no strings attached. What would you ask for? Most of us, I would guess, would have something, right or wrong, probably something maybe more selfish in mind, right? Money, wealth, relationships. I mean, you, you name it. There's probably a lot of things that we would say that we would want and what is it that Solomon asked for? He said, I'm not smart enough, I'm not wise enough to be able to govern your people for your namesake. Would you make me wise to do that? It's incredible. That's incredible. As we talked about the, the line that Rick Holland, one of our Ascent Camp speakers, talks about, it's really the, the question of, are you wise enough to know you're not wise enough? And that's really the first offer on the table here. But wait. There's more. The second offer is integrity. Not just humility, but integrity. Uh, verse 3, he says, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. 
Uh, we need integrity because our world needs to see genuine faith. Uh, humility is about knowing what we don't know, then integrity is about what the world really needs to see in us. And instruction here, he talks about instruction again. It's the same word from the previous verse. The idea is that you re- receive it. Uh, you don't push away or spurn against it. Let me ask you this. How do you know if you've received instruction? How do you know if you've received it? What's that? Yeah, you follow through with it, right? If somebody asking you or telling you to do something, you know that you've truly received it when you begin to implement it or to at least give forth effort to implement it, right? So how do you know you've received instruction from your parents? When you followed through with what they've asked you to do, right? When you're playing your video games downstairs and mom and dad say, hey, you need to make sure that you clean up your room before I get home. I'm sure that's a total hypothetical situation. That's never happened in your life before. The way you know that you've received that instruction is that you followed through on what they asked you to do. So he talks about instruction there, receiving it, but also knowledge. And knowledge is seen through action. And the words Solomon uses here are, are virtues that benefit others, right? He talks about righteousness, justice, and equity. Righteousness is actually a word that we talked about with our girls last night. I don't think very successfully. But it's a word that means morals that are consistent with the character of God. Or to put it more simply, righteousness is about doing what is right. That's why right is in the word. Righteousness. It's what's consistent with what God wants for you to do. Justice is that word there for doing what is right for all people. You're thinking about not just yourself and what's right for you, but what's right for others. And that even comes out in that third word, equity, to be fair and to be consistent with all people. At the end of the day, these are all virtues that are consistent with what God desires for you as his child. These actions are, are good and right, and they're beneficial to other people. We saw that with Solomon in his life, right? In 1 Kings chapter 10, he gets a visit from the Queen of Sheba, one of the most influential, powerful leaders in the world at that time, because she had heard of the wisdom of Solomon, but she didn't truly believe it was as good as what people said. And she's like, I have to go see it for myself. And when she got there, what did she see? It was even better than the way people described. And to her, it was attractive. It was appealing because this was different than anything she had ever seen before. See, this is what we have to understand about wisdom that manifests itself in integrity in our world today. It stands out. And it stands out both in a good way because it is attractive. It is beneficial towards other people. But we also know in a world where folly and foolishness is increasing, it also can stand out as maybe repulsive. It can stand out as condemning because people see their life falling short and rather than to embrace it, they decide to reject it even more. And so integrity is both a good thing, it is a good thing, right? But it can be responded to in both positive and negative ways and guess what? It doesn't matter because it's what God is calling you to do. And so I ask you, do you desire to be a young man or young woman of integrity? If so, then wisdom in the book of Proverbs is going to show you the way to do that. But wait, there's more. It's not just about humility and integrity, it's also about maturity. 
It's also about maturity, verses 4 and 5. Solomon says it's to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. Uh, The offer here is directly to the young person who is identified here as uh, immature in many ways. Right? We need maturity because spiritual growth is a, a lifelong process. This is not just hap- something that happens overnight. So he, he says there in verse 4, it's to give prudence to the simple. And you're like, Who's, who are you calling simple? Well, you. <laughs> you may not like that here, but another translation for that is naive. Uh, the idea is that it's talking to somebody who can be easily influenced. And... Let's just be honest, at this age of your life, really so much of your life is about influence. Whether you're influencing others or others are influencing you. Um, That's true for you in this world, right? There's more platforms of influence than ever before. The number of people in your life, the number of media outlets, right? Social media, TV, entertainment, video games, you name it. There are so many more things now in today's world that are influencing you than ever before. And the question is, how are you responding to those influences? When it says here, it's uh, speaking to uh, the youth, right? For knowledge and discretion for the youth. The word there for youth is for those as young as maybe 15 years of age. How many of you are 15 in this room this morning? Okay, we've got some 15-year-olds. You know what I'm talking about. Right? He puts these two ideas together, the naive and the young. And in many ways, it kind of puts a target on our backs in some ways that, hey, this is, this is really actually specifically written with me in mind. And the good news for you is that Proverbs offers you prudence, knowledge, discretion. Translation, it offers you protection. Protection from the things mentioned uh, here, these pitfalls of naivety. Or youthfulness. It's not just knowing right from wrong, but the why you choose the direction you go, the path that you choose. But it's not just, we do ourselves a mistake to say, well, Proverbs then is it's just written to young people. Well, look at what verse 5 says. Verse 5 says, let the wise hear an increase in learning. Let the wise, well, they're already wise. Well, guess what? They're not wise enough yet. <laughs> They're not wise enough yet. Even those who are wise have room to grow. If you were here last Sunday, you heard Pastor Rich in uh, main service talk about uh, maybe families who have those growth charts in their house. How many of you did that growing up or you still do that where you have like a spot in your house where you measure how tall you are? Right? We do that with our girls. It's, it's, a, it's a fun thing to see how far they've come along. But it would be concerning to us if you know, we were to go this afternoon and I would see that Zari and Zariah are actually the same height that they were six months ago because they're at an age where they should be growing, right? If we did it a year from now and they're still at the same height, it would be a bit concerning because they're at a stage in life where they should be growing. The point of Proverbs is that spiritual growth is a lifelong process. That doesn't mean that it's always going to look huge and incremental in that regard, but it should be progressive. 
Even if it's little bits at a time, you should be able to look at your life three months from now, six months from now, a year from now, and be able to say, yes, I, 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 I still recognize I'm imperfect. I still have a lot of shortcomings, but I see the progressions. Other people in my life can see the progressions, my fight against sin, my desire to be more like God, my desire to put away things of this world. Maturity, wisdom is about maturity and growing up in the faith. Growing up and acting like a spiritual adult, and it is a process. So Proverbs offers us humility, it offers us integrity, it offers us maturity, but wait, guess what? There is more. Because it also offers you ability. It offers you the chance to have skill in key areas of life, because life is full of hard decisions. It's full of choices, it's full of complex matters. The word in verse 6 here says to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. And the word really used in verse 6 here to understand is the, the word for discernment. It's a word that describes the ability to make decisions when processed through God's lens. When you see life through the way God wants you to see it. He talks about proverbs, sayings, riddles. Those things are complex. And to understand such things requires wisdom. It doesn't mean being impulsive. It means to really contemplate and to think about things in a different way. And guess what? Life is full of tough choices and difficult decisions. Some of you may be in the thick of those right now. It takes skill and ability to know how to process those situations so that you're not just acting on how you feel, which is how most of us make decisions today, we know what we want and we decide to make decisions based on what we feel like is best for us. But rather, wisdom would say we make decisions based on what will honor and glorify God. If wisdom is about worship, then we're going to make decisions with God as the central focus and nothing else. Wisdom is about worshiping God. And that's how we think about our decisions and how we process complex matters. Persistence in wisdom leads to such skill. And so we look at this and we say, wow, that's, this is quite the package. Humility, integrity, maturity, ability. I mean, that's a pretty sweet deal, in all honesty. And if Solomon is a salesman and he's doing an infomercial here. He's got us on the ropes. But what do you have to do to really close the deal? You have to really make the decision. Uh, there's only so much that can be done on the salesperson's and it's really on your end with what you're going to do with it. And it's ironic here that this last one is about making hard decisions because the very next verse is presenting you with the decision that needs to be made. Uh, the choice that is before each and every one of you this morning, which is the choice between wisdom and foolishness. Because wisdom is all about the fear of the Lord. Wisdom begins by accepting the Lord while folly persists in rejecting the Lord. Notice I use that word persists because all of us naturally are born sinners. All of us are naturally born naive and simple and rebellious and foolish. All of us, by nature, begin that way. And so 
you will never truly seek to know the Lord until you begin with accepting the Lord. And until then, you are simply persisting in your rebellion of foolishness. We're going to talk more about the fear of the Lord here in just a minute. But what Solomon does here is he presents you with these two options. Will you be wise or will you be foolish? Will you accept that God knows what is best for your life? Or will you keep thinking that you know what's best? Are you going to let God be God or, we, or will you continue to practically rule as the God of your own life? That's really what this decision is all about. That's what folly is. It is to reject God's authority over your life. The fool despises wisdom and instruction because the fool lives for himself, not for God. Right? This is the exact same contrast that Jesus gives we talked about this last week in Matthew chapter 7. He gives the Sermon on the Mount, one of the most famous sermons in his whole ministry. And do you remember the very concluding illustration that he gives kind of as the deciding point? What's the illustration between? You remember? Between the wise builder and the foolish builder. So the wise builder is going to build their life on my words and on my truth say simply he's going to build his life on my authority and when the rains come when the the waves and everything else come his house is going to stand but the foolish person is going to persist by thinking he knows best he's going to build his life on sand that's going to just constantly wash him away anytime the troubles of this world come and so it is really that decision. Jesus himself does the exact same thing in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, are you going to be wise or are you going to be foolish? Are you going to submit to me and to my way of life? Or are you going to keep persisting in your own rebellion and your own way of doing things? I love that he puts this here because really this question and this idea right here in verse 7 stands as the gateway to the rest of the book of Proverbs. It's the question of do you really want to worship God with your life? Because if you do, then you must submit your whole life to him first. If you don't make that decision now, then anything that comes after this is just going to be, it's just going to be surface level living. It's not going to be worship. You have to come to that acknowledgement and to that submission before you can ever truly know the way of wisdom. And so that's what's before us. That's the offer. And that's the choice that we have to make. And as we think about everything that Solomon has offered and the decision that we have to face, a couple of big things come to mind as we wrap up this morning. The first is this, that acquiring wisdom is active and not passive. Uh, You see this language throughout this whole section here, to know, to understand, to receive, to hear. Those are not just things that happen on accident. Right? Wisdom is a gift, but it's also a responsibility. In other words, it's not going to happen by osmosis or by just taking a shot. Boom, got my wisdom shot. Now I'm good to go. No, like school or like sports, it's going to take will and energy and desire and discipline, right? Those are the very types of words that were used here, right? Instruction, the critiquing like a coach does, doesn't mean anything unless you're willing to act upon it. But the encouragement for us is that God is gracious to help grant what we lack, right? We looked at that last week of James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you can ask God genuinely, right? Not 
hopefully, because the rest of that passage in James 1 there says to not be double-minded, to, to think that, well, maybe God won't grant it to me. No, it's to, to, to have the eyes of faith that believe that God will grant this to you if you genuinely desire it. Not just to make your life easier, not just to make you a better person, but because you desire to honor God with your life. And so, we have the option here, that, or we see that uh, acquired wisdom is active, not passive. Secondly, you're never too old for wisdom. You never outgrow wisdom. Wisdom is offered both to the simple and to the wise in this verse. Verses 4 and 5 kind of talk about that contrast there. Young or old, new Christian or seasoned veteran, you need wisdom. Unlike your clothes or certain fads, you never outgrow wisdom. Wisdom is a commodity that will never go out of style. It's something you constantly need. One of my favorite shows to, to watch whenever I'm doing maybe uh, laundry or other things around the house is Shark Tank. Anybody watch Shark Tank around here? I always love the, the whole idea of new products and ideas for, for inventions that people have come up with. But one of the things that the investors on that show, the really you know, rich, snobby people who have more money than any of us can imagine, uh, the one thing that they're always looking for in a product is, is this something that people are going to need constantly? Or is it something that they purchase it, they're done, and it, there's really no more future need and use for it, right? Because you want continual cash flow. You want people to continue buying into it and needing it. Otherwise, it can become, it can hit a brick wall pretty quickly. Well, this is exactly what wisdom is. Wisdom is something that there is a continued need for, right? You always will need it because you will always lack it to some degree or another. Third, you cannot have wisdom apart from knowing God. This is where verse 7 talks about the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is essentially knowing God. And the fear of the Lord is a really difficult concept. I thought about spending a lot more time on it. But I think that as we go throughout the book of Proverbs, we're going to see that. We're going to see it a little bit more. And I don't want to overwhelm you with all the technicalities. Because if we were to go into every commentary and everything that I've read, there's about a million different definitions and nuances of what the fear of the Lord looks like. I actually appreciate Rick Holland when he talks about this. He says, to some degree, the fear of the Lord, without trying to sound really mystical or Gnostic, he's like, the fear of the Lord is something that you're going to know it when you have it. You're going to know it to some degree when you have it. One of uh, biblical counselor writers, a guy by the name of Ed Welch, he says, really, the fear of the Lord encompasses everything from truly fearing God, like the terror of the Lord, to being in complete awe and worship of God. It's a really complex concept, but I think at its most basic level, it means accepting God for who he is in relationship to who you are. You understand this good, this holy God, and everything that he is worthy of in comparison to who you are as sinful man. In other words, you put God in his rightful place, submitting your life to his way of life rather than your own. That is what it looks like to live in the, the fear of something, is to have reverence and respect, to really submit yourself to them because of everything that they are. In many ways, the fear of the Lord is to wisdom what the alphabet is to reading or what numbers are to math, right? You all understand that, I think, to some degree, right? You can't really have math 
without understanding the concept of numbers first. You can't learn to read apart from knowing letters and their sounds. That's exactly what the fear of the Lord is to wisdom. If you really want to understand wisdom, if you want to really understand what it is to worship God by rightly applying his truth to real life situations, then you have to start here. You, you can't just use your fast pass like you do at amusement parks where you like wave it and say, okay, I'm going to go around the line now and I'm just going to jump to the start. No, no, no. You have to begin right here. Wisdom begins by knowing God. Now listen to me. I did not say wisdom is about knowing about God. Wisdom is about knowing God, not about God. And the difference in that single preposition, student, is the difference between life and death, heaven and hell. Many people know about God, but lack relationship because they have not submitted their lives to his rule. Perhaps that's true of some of you in this room this morning. You know a lot about God. You've gone to church your whole life. You know a lot about God. You know a lot about the Bible. But you don't know God. You haven't really actually trusted him and submitted to him as the supreme rule and authority for your life. And so I would encourage you this morning to embrace, not resist, the priority of the fear of the Lord. This is one of the most essential truths of the Christian life. It is a phrase that's used 15 times in the book of Proverbs. And it bookends the whole first section that we're going to look at over the coming months between chapters 1 and chapter 9. Chapter 1, verse 7, we saw it here this morning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Chapter 9, verse 10, at the end of this section, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's bookended by those two statements there. Everything in between really encompasses that very reality. So yes, our God is to be feared, but do not let this phrase about the fear of the Lord scare you, right? This is not a fear like a phobia we have of spiders or public speaking or clowns or what else? What do you guys fear? Heights. What? Heights. Yeah. So fill in the blank for whatever that phobia is of yours. This is reverence. This is a fear that drives us to the end of ourselves and open up, opens us up to the world as God intends for it to be. So, are you ready for that? The choice is being offered to you, every single one of you today. I ask you to pray about it and encourage you to choose wisely. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity to study together. And we now ask that you would indeed help these students to make the wise choice to fear you above all else in this world. I cannot do that for them. Lord, that is a work that you have to do in their hearts. And I pray that you would do it today for the glory of your name. Amen.